Good morning, All Seasons. It is so good to see you. I know you thought it was Tom Brady up here preaching this morning, but it's not. It is, it is, there's a few things he can't do, and, uh, and this is one of them. So I'm going to take care of this this morning. Man, it's so good to see all of you as we are wrapping and, and uh, coming to the conclusion of this series that we're doing on making a move, on making a move in your life. And we've talked about through this course of this series what it is to be gifted from the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit allows us to have the fruit of the Spirit from the moment we're saved. He's, he's working within us to get out of us the fruits of love, joy, peace, kindness, temperance, all those things that the world would look at and say, wow, you've changed. When, when, when people begin to look at you and say, man, you don't act the same, you, you're changed. Not from the outside, but from the inside out, I'm beginning to change. And then we talked about how God then, within the church setting, begins to manifest the Holy Spirit through us. Well, like we talked about just it's running over the cup and over the saucer and off the table. And we talked about these as being signs of, of could be prophecy or of healing, of miracles, of all different. There's even administration gifts. There's almost 30 different gifts if you study all the different gifts that you can have. Of, of ministering to people, of exhortation, of encouragement. There, it just comes out of you through the Holy Spirit at the time that it's needed. And we've talked about how you might be in a situation, and in that situation you've gone as far as you can with your normal giftedness, you, your grace gifts. You've gone as far as you can of loving and caring. And maybe somebody needs prayer, and then all of a sudden the Spirit just moves on you. And then all of a sudden it overflows it through you as you lay hands on someone. Maybe in the middle of Walmart, you're like, you know, I believe right now if we prayed, you've been given the gift of faith. Out of, out of just, just, just all of a sudden there's a word inside of you that says, if we pray, if we can pray, man, I believe God's fixing to do this. And so all of a sudden this is how the Holy Spirit transforms the world. This is how it draws them to Christ. And look at the person beside you and, and tell them, he doesn't do it without you. He doesn't do it without you. It's not just going to church. It's not just hearing a sermon. There has to be this understanding, this process by which we are working with God to bring people to Him. Jesus said it this way, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. First off, somebody's got to lift Him up. There has to be, just like this morning in praise, as we're lifting Him up, all of a sudden the Spirit begins to move and drawing people to Jesus. This is what happens on, a, on an everyday basis, whether it's at your house or wherever it may be. Today, we're going to wrap this up, and I want to, to show it to you in a picture form by the end of this. Because the Old Testament is simply a picture of the New Testament reality. The Old Testament shows it in pictures, where the New Testament shows it in just point blank, no, no imagery, just boom, this is what it was meant to be. That's why when Paul and others studied the Scriptures, I know it's going to be hard to believe, they did not have a King James New Testament. Paul did not own one. Paul had the Old Testament writings. And what he did was he took the Old Testament writings and he began to dig through and realize, oh, that's the picture that was trying to be shown in the Old Testament and this is what it meant in the New Testament. Whether it be the bread, whether it be the Passover, whether it be whatever it might be, it, it, it was a picture of Jesus. So I'm going to show you another picture today, one that you may not have seen. Go with me in your Bibles first, because the title of this one today is Make a Move, Let the Church Shine. Let the Church Shine. This has to become our our 
thrust, our, our whole goal of life is to make the church shine. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? Well, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. See, the, the thing is, we, we get it wrong when we talk about ministry. When we, because the ministry is not a special office. It's not something that just Pastor Lot does or a few people do. Ministry in, the, in its very understanding is never used in the Bible to mean some special uh, place or, or to be an ordained pastor. It's never used to mean that this person is a professional. At its heart, ministry is simply a special function inside God's work. It is simply a special function. So I'm going to give you a litmus test this morning. The people who prayed over the chairs before church started this morning, are they or are they not ministers? Yes. The people who shook your hands, the people who served in the coffee shop, the people who, 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 who waved at you when you came in, the people who talked to you when you... Are they ministers? Yes. Every person inside the church is called to be a minister. You see, we tend to make ministry something very high or mystical, and it's not. It's just very something that we're doing. It's, it's not unattainable. It's just simply us allowing God to use our giftedness and the giftedness that comes through the Holy Spirit to accomplish a goal that God wants to accomplish, which is to transform the world, to touch a world. Now let's read, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. He who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which is the builders rejected, he becomes the chief cornerstone. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because of disobedience to the word, to which they also are, were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. And who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. I want to show you a few things this morning about what happens when we decide to make a move and we decide to shine. There's something that happens when we decide to give our lives, commit our lives, and decide that we're going to be a part of God's church. We're going to be a part of what God is doing. Number one, this is the way it always works. God first and foremost, expects you to do it. Number one, God is expecting you to be a part of this. You, you are not just simply uh, around or you're just not simply sitting here. He says, 
He is the cornerstone, the main stone, but every one of you are living stones, are supposed to be a part. He is expecting you to be a part of everything that he's doing. Let me show it to you through what we just read. Let me give you some, some different titles that he gives to you. Not to pastors, not to ministers, not to evangelists, not to, to, to somebody you see on TBN or, or somebody that you see sitting in a gold chair. Let me tell you what he says about you. Number one, you are a living stone. You are part of the building of God. You are part of the house that God is trying to build. You're not the wrong color. You're not the wrong shape. You're not the wrong size. You don't have the wrong background. You don't have the wrong education. You, just within yourself, have been called to be part of God's kingdom, part of God's uh, possession. In fact, listen to the second thing that he describes is, you are holy priests. What is a priest? Someone who offers something to God. That's what a priest is. His job was to offer something to God to give God what he had, and that's your job. And you say, Brother Lot, I'm, 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 a, I'm a living stone. Okay, great. But you're also a priest. Number three, you'll find he calls you a chosen race. I love this phrase. How, to realize that you are chosen by God to be part of the family of God. He, he ends up by saying, listen, you were once not a nation. You were once not a people. But now you are a people. It's amazing in this world, what we try to do is they try to split us up by all their, their earthly ways of saying that you're different. Whether it's, it's whether you're from the north or from the south. Or whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Or whether you're Asian or Hispanic or black or white or whatever ethnicity you have. The world tries desperately to divide. God comes along and says, I've come to reach into every tribe and every nation. Remember Revelations? He says that when I saw them coming, that on the day of the rapture and the day that all the people came into heaven, he said, I saw them coming from every tribe and every nation, every nationality, every background. Why? Because that's the real and true nation that there is in the world. Everything else that the world tries to call a nation or a kingdom, it's not. It doesn't last. There's only one true nation, and it's the nation of God. It's the kingdom of God. It's the only one that will last. It's the only one that will preserve. And if you're in this room today, listen, you've been called to be part of that nation. That's why it irritates me so much when, when people talk about, well, how do you get so many different people from so many different backgrounds to come to your church? And I'm thinking, how do you not? It angers me. Don't you know the Scriptures? It says there's neither male nor female nor Greek nor Jew nor bond nor free. I mean, isn't that what the Scripture says? Part of being part of the kingdom is, I, I don't even have none of that anymore. I don't think like that anymore. I don't know where y'all thinking like that. But we do, and even in churches, it's amazing. One writer said it this way, the most segregated day of the year is Sunday. <coughs> we'll have Hispanic churches, and black churches, and white churches. and Most segregated day of the year. And we're the church. We're the ones that actually have Scripture says we're not supposed to. But we do. And then we wonder why 
it hurts us and why we have so much problem is because, listen, you can't live by the Word. You can't do what God's calling if you don't break through this until you realize that we are a holy priesthood. We are living stones to God. We are a chosen generation. I love this one. We are God's own possession. We are His own possession. We, we belong to Him. We are under His protection. So, number two, the second thing is not only have you been given titles, have you been called out by name, but number two, listen to me, spiritual growth will never happen unless we use our gifts. There's some things I cannot do for you until you actually use your gifts. You can come to church and you can sit here and you can just grow miserable. Because here's the thing, as long as you hide within yourself the gifts that God has given you, you will never connect to your family. Let, let me just put it to you this way. You can have a family. You can have a blood kin family. You think, well, uh, none of these people are my blood kin. It don't matter. If you, if you go to your blood kin family and every time y'all gather together, you sit outside. You don't want to talk to nobody. You just smuggle up in a corner somewhere. You want something to eat? No, I don't like none of that kind of food. Hey, we're going to all go over here and do this. You want to do it? No. You're the first one to leave. Quick as you can get through. We through? Yeah, I'm gone. You're late to arrive because everybody else is ready to eat. It's like, well, we're so-and-so. They ain't got here yet. We're, somebody check them. Well, they text, said, go ahead and start. They'll be here when they get here. How close you think you're going to be to that family? I'm going to surprise you. They probably talk about you behind your back. They probably talk about you behind your back. Probably like, I'm about sick and tired of so-and-so. Look, somebody needs to have a talk with them. Or eventually they just ignore you all to get, let's just go on. It don't matter. Let them get here when they get here. Why? Now, I know y'all don't have enough those kind of family members, but I'm, I've been known to. It's a possibility that I have people that do that. So in life, understanding that this is, this is just because your blood can't family is because you're part of something that you realize, I am a part of this. I'm bringing my gifts. But now if you want to be remembered and you want to be a, a healthy part of the family, then you're there early and you're the one that helps bring, oh man, you're bringing your favorite dish today. Oh, I love your food. I love what you bring. And, and, and you always cook this favorite tater tot casserole thing. And man, I'm telling you, I love it. Now you're going to bring it. Yeah. You're all the, always the one checking on other people. You're always the one care. You can either be close in your family or you can be very distant in your family. It's all about whether or not you will bring your gifts, whether or not you will bring what God has given you. Spiritual growth will never happen unless you decide. That's what he says here. He says there's some people out of disobedience that says, I'm just not going to listen. I'm just not going to care. Out of disobedience, I'm not going to. I don't care what they tell me to do. And he says, listen, because of their disobedience, he becomes a stone of stumbling. He becomes a stone of offense. He becomes a stone that causes you problems or makes you mad. I get tired of Brother Lot always preaching about me. I love that. Brother Lot's always talking about me. No, and yes. No, I'm not thinking about you. And yes, when I begin to preach God's Word, 
it will offend you. Because if I tell you just what I just said a few minutes ago, and you're all snobby and stuck up and all sour and everything, and I tell you you need to be, you need to be active and you need to love your family and you need to give instead of take, and you need to, and, and it's, I don't want to hear that junk. I'm going to offend you. Not because it's me, it's because the Word. And Jesus says, listen, the Word offends them. That's how you know the difference. But you are not so. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people called to good works. Go, go with me to Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Listen to what it says. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us look at the person beside you and say, use them. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In ministry, let us, let us use it to, in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You have to do it. Number three. The success is only possible if every Christian has a ministry. Success in what we do. Listen, I, I, I can put it to you this way. Would you rather live by addition or would you rather live by multiplication? In your life, if I said, look, I want, I want your life blessed. Would you rather me just... Work in addition in your life, or would you like me to multiply your life? Sure. Well, it works the same way with God's kingdom. Okay, let me give it to you just in a scenario. If we said, hey, we want to touch kids, and we want to minister to kids, we want that's great, because all seasons, that's what we've done for years and years, families, and helping families, and helping raise families, and being part of families, and, 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 it's, and it's an awesome thing. And we said, man, we've built Sunday school classes, and we've done this, and we've got teachers doing this, and, and you know, through the years, we've touched some kids, and you know, probably maybe about 20 or so a year, or, or whatever comes through, and man, we, we've been able to do that, that's addition. But what if God come along and said, Tim, would you like to multiply? I don't know. Would you like to multiply? Yeah, yeah, right? Multiply. Okay. Then build the camp. Then you'll touch 600 kids a year. See, God thinks in multiplication in your life. When churches think in addition, what they think is, well, that's the pastor's job, that's the preacher's job, that's the the praise person's job. That's those few people that we hired to do the job so we don't have to. And those churches operate in addition. That, that one person, two people, four people working real hard to make the other hundred or so happy. But if all a hundred and so get active, now everybody's bringing someone to church. Everybody's inviting someone to church. Everybody is loving on people. Everybody is shaking hands. Everybody is, is loving. Everybody is doing what they can do using their gifts so that all of a sudden a church multiplies. That's all that happened all seasons. 
is that we had a choice years ago. There's two styles of churches that you can be. And I teach every pastor this all the time. There's two styles of churches that you can be. You cannot be both of them. You will eventually have to be one of them. You can be a worship church. Nothing wrong with it. There's some great churches in the world that are worship churches and have grown great, great ministries. And, and we listen to their music and we, we, we're, we love to be a part. And there's a wonderful, wonderful, I don't want to sound negative, it's just a different style. You can grow being a worship church. That means we're going to do revivals about three times a year. That means we're going to have singings on a regular basis because we've got to keep everybody pumped up. We've got to keep everybody going. We've got to, you know, because as soon as I get you revived three months later, you're all dead again. I've got to get you all back to live. Anybody ever seen churches like worship churches? Man, it's always something. Man, we, we, we got this going on and that going on. And so, and so worship churches operate from, from pumping everybody up, getting everybody pumped. When they start to slow down, they got to pump them back up. There's some churches I drive by about every three or four weeks to a month or two, they got a new preacher coming through. They got a new revival coming through. They got three nights this and four nights that. We got this, this singing going. And I'm thinking, whew, that's not me. The other type of church is a serving church. And a serving church is a church that is does regular services, does regular stuff like we do, has, has regular worship, good, all wonderful. But our thrust in our life is going beyond those four doors. So our church functions on anything from jail ministry, recovery ministry, working with kids, going on trips, spending time. Everything we do is to develop, to help, to grow, to even even God's way downtown. Why, why are you doing that? Because you want to have church? No, because we want to work with people. We want to help people. We want their lives better. And, and, and you can't worship all the time while you're serving all the time. Does that make sense? You can't, you can't go to revival every night in the work jail ministry because you're in church. And so we had to decide years ago, for us, being a servant church is, is what... So when people look at us who are worship churches, it's like, well, how are y'all able to do that? Because that's the way we're built for People look at me every day, they don't say, hey, we need to have a revival. That's not what they say to me every day. They look at me and say, what are we doing next? That's what I get all the time. Pastors look at me like, well, I wish my people would say that. Well, you have to decide what kind of church you want to be. For us, what's next? I came here yesterday and, and I got four of my college A's and, and young, young men that are sitting there putting awnings, helping putting awnings on the, on the walls at the gym. Nobody's making them. Nobody's forcing them. They could be doing a thousand different things. And they were so excited. They were like, Pastor Lot, we can't wait to get back down here to work with you and to just... No, they didn't say that. <laughs> but I believe in their heart. In their heart, deep down, they were thinking that. I felt that. I discerned that in my spirit. See, I have that gift of discernment. I said, I know your lips are saying one thing, but I know in your heart. But that's our life. That's what we love doing. We love to serve. Now, you can be great at either one. But we chose this path. And so for our church to be great, for our church to touch the people we want to touch, we need people smiling at the front door. We need people working at the coffee shop. We need people commit. We need people who dedicate. Now, people will brag on us just like we brag on people who have just great worship churches. But you just can't be both of them. You can always run from one to the other. If you need some worship, run to there. 
Then if you like want to serve them, go hang out with pastor for a while. But the fact is, is that, listen, success is only possible if every Christian functions in their ministry. If I was, if I was in a worship church, you know what I'd be telling all my people? Look, y'all better be getting up on y'all's feet. Y'all better, y'all better be getting some dance going. This place ought to be full on the front row. I mean, just everybody coming out of their pews, just, just, we, we go, nothing wrong with that. But boy, you walk in this house, let me tell you what you're going to, you're going to get worship. Nothing wrong with it. It's just what they use to win the world. It's their style to win the world. Number four, let me show you. We need all and needs will never be met without the ministry that you do. Whether we do a worship church or we do it, we chose this style. God moved us in this direction and said, these are the people that I'm going to be sending you to. What did he send me? All types of builders, all types of people that do this, and plumbers and families and, and young people. And, and I'm like, wow, okay. But listen to me. Needs will never be met without us doing the ministry. Number five, God, and this is hard to believe, God is limited. God is limited without our ministry commitment. God is limited. No, God can do anything. No, He can't. God does not have a plan B for the church. It's either us or nobody. It's, it, it, there is no, you can't, you can't push it off and say, well, you know, I guess He'll get them saved some other way. No. No, one day we'll all stand in judgment. We'll all stand there and He will look at all of us and He will describe Scott County and Forest and our areas and other areas around where we live. And He will say, I left you in that area. I put you in that area. And what did you do? Did you use your gifts? Did you shine to draw people to me? Number six. The church then is incomplete. The church then is incomplete without everyone using your gifts. I don't care if your gift is just loving to play games. And you like to say, I'm going to go to kids' church and I'm going to be over the games at kids' church. That's a ministry. You just say, man, I just like playing games. Duh. Go play games. i got 20, 30 kids that would love to play games every Sunday. There's no, it's no hard or, or difficult. It's just finding the place where, let me do that. I love doing that. Hey, let me do that. I can do that. It's just finding and digging in and finding the place that God has called you to be. Number seven, every Christian then has gift and is expected to use them. Go to 1 Peter again, 4, verses 10 through 11. Listen to what he says. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 through 11. As each one has received a... Look at the person beside you. Do you know your gift? Do you know your gift? If you say, Brother Lot, I'm not sure what my gift is, then that's good. Then meet me here Saturday, February the 20... What is it? 6th? Somebody got that real quick? It's the last Saturday in February. What is day is that? 
26, man, I'm good. I'm telling you what, under the anointing, I don't miss anything. Even dates and names come to me. And that's, you know that's the anointing. At 9 o'clock on February 26th, we will be here. From 9 to 12, I will feed you donuts or pigs in a blanket or whatever I can afford. Something. And the whole purpose is, is from 9 to 12, we're going to put you through all the different little tests. We're going to find out if you're an otter or a dog or this or that. We're going to find out what your giftedness is. We're going to put you through the test. Nothing complicated, nothing hard. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to study. You, don't, you just have to decide, hey, from 9 to 12, I'm going to go hang out with Pastor, and we're going to just have fun just figuring out what my personality is. What's my giftedness? What am I leaning toward? What am I? Now, you can do this on your own. You can pull these online and do it yourself if you want to, but maybe you'd like to have fun. And, and my job is to help you because, listen, as each one has received a my job as we studied a few weeks ago is to get out of the way get out of the way pastor let me do my job pastor all what I need from you is I need you to perfect me to help me help me get there well, that's what I'm trying to do because you need to know your gift. Because why? Minister it to use it. Use it. Cut some time out of your TV time. Cut some time out of your sitting around wondering what your life's all about time. And actually use the giftedness that God has given you. I don't care if you say, I like to mow grass. Fine, come find me. I will find you people whose grass needs to be mowed who don't have lawnmowers, or maybe theirs is broke down. That's a ministry. Anytime that I'm using a gift that God has given me to love on others and to care about others, it is a gift. Quit thinking that ministry is all right here. That's a worship church, remember? It's all about, hey, let's get to church. we got to get to the church. And there's nothing wrong. But our church was not built off of just that. Our church was built off of loving and caring for people in our community. Loving and caring for whoever walks through this door. Loving and caring and showing and shining for Jesus no matter where we are. Number eight, using your gift then glorifies God. Listen, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of what? God. You've been stewarded to give this. And you say, Pastor, you're, you're doing a lot of teaching. I am. I'm going to show you in a few seconds what I'm talking about. Don't worry, I'll make it exciting for the end. Listen to what verse 11 says. If anyone speaks... Let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with ability which God... So your gifts are not yours. Your abilities are not yours. They're just on loan to you from God. And you've got a, a window to use them. You know what that window is? From the time you're born to the time you die. You've got a window to use those gifts to glorify God. And after that, they're gone. That with all these things, God may be glorified. When I use them, it brings people to God. It allows people to see God. When I allow my gifts to be lo loved on people, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the way Paul thought. 
That's the way Peter thought. It's using your gifts, the gifts that God has given you, being a family, being a body, being a holy nation, being a chosen generation. Smartest thing you'll ever do is make this group right here the most important group in your life. The smartest thing I ever did was that I stopped loving my dad as much and my mom as much and I stopped loving others as much. For all those years I was working, I didn't hardly see my family as much. You say, well, that's bad. No, because God gave me a family. He gave me an incredible family that I get to do life with, that I get to spend time with, that, that guess what, don't cuss around me, that doesn't drink around me, that doesn't do crazy stuff around me, doesn't ask me to mess up my life with him. I got this incredible family that wants my best and not my worst. I got this incredible family who is wanting to help me in every way possible, that'll mow my grass if they need to. I got this incredible family that thinks of me. That's what God said, I want you to have. Now, let me see if I can show it to you then in a right way. Okay. I need some help. Need some help. Need some help. Need some help. Let's see. Need some help. Elise will be my illustration today. Nothing like, you know, of all the years I've never used Elise as my illustration. You may use them too? Yeah, I need all you fellas on the front. Come on. And you blame her for it because she just told me I need to use you. All right, all you fellas on the front. All right. So here, here's the thing. Go with me in your Bible. Let's go to 1 Kings, 1 Kings 10, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to show you something. This is what church is supposed to be. Remember I told you in the Old Testament it's a what? It's a picture. New Testament it's reality. So let me show you what actually is happening in church every single Sunday or what's happening in the, in the process of God ministering and using you as a minister every single day of your life. So here's what's happening. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard... So anybody ever invited somebody to church? Anybody ever told somebody, man, you need to go to church. I'm telling you, you'll find what you're looking for there. Hey, you will, you, those, those things that's all messed up in your life, I'm telling you, God can fix it. So Queen of Sheba has issues. And the Queen of Sheba hears about who? Solomon. But really, it's not just Solomon. She hears about the name of the Lord. Solomon is the representative of Christ. He's the representative of the one who will give her answers, the one who will solve her problem. He is the king of kings. And so Solomon is this, is this person that God has given us in a picture to represent him as the one that people come to to find the answers to the problems of their life. So, so the queen of Sheba is a unique character. Throw up some pictures of the queen of Sheba. I didn't have a picture of Elise. That's the Queen of Sheba, or maybe there's others. Maybe that's the Queen of Sheba, or maybe there's others. Maybe that's the Queen of Sheba. Maybe that's the Queen of Sheba. Maybe that's the Queen of Sheba. She's gone from white and blonde-haired to deep Ethiopian 
But here's the thing, we don't know. The beautiful thing about the, 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 what they fight about and wrestle about in theology, and you know, people that do that, they just ain't got nothing else to do. We just fuss over these things. Well, where did she really come from? Who really what? All we know is she was the queen of Sheba. Doesn't even give her her name, doesn't, give, doesn't tell us her, her, her background, doesn't, doesn't give us any, any picture of what her color was or what her shape was. We just know that she was the queen of Sheba. Look at the person beside you and say, it could be anybody. It could be anybody who in their own life has decided that I'm successful. In my own self, I am, I am okay. I've, 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 I'm okay. I am who I am. So she is the queen she is, she is important. She has status. So now here is this person who has status. We'd say, I got my pride. I, I, got, I got my own identity. She has all of that, but she doesn't have the answers to the problems that have come in her life. Even though she's got what she has, it's not enough to fix what's going on in her life. Now when the queen, with a very uh, great uh, retinue, uh, uh, with camels uh, that bore spices, with much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. In other words, the closer she got to Jesus or to Solomon, the more revelation, the more answers, the more, the more she stayed in church, it started to open up. She started to receive answers. She started to see the light. She started to... But now here's what happens. When the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built. Now, here, here's what takes place. Throw up the banquet again because here's what takes place. There's a banquet. Why, why didn't he just meet her, you know, Say, look, I'm free. About I got about two hours here. Come on up. I'll I'll answer your questions, and you can go back home. No, but when she comes, he throws an elaborate banquet, and there's a reason for the banquet because the king needs her to understand who he is. The king needs her to understand how great he is. The king needs her to understand that what he's saying isn't just words, but they're words that actually work. So if Jesus today was trying to convince a world that what he wants them to do and how he wants them to live and following him was important, what would he do? He'd have a church service. That's what he would do. He's up. I'm going to call all my people together. I'm going to have them all in this room together. And I want you to see them. And then I want you to decide whether or not you think I can be trusted or not. I, I know y'all don't get that. But that is so cool. The king and her are having the conversation. But it's all the stuff that's going on around that's convincing her that he's really the man... Jesus doesn't need us to sing on Sunday morning, but when we sing and start praising Him, and we start saying, You are holy, oh 
starts singing and praising him, all of a sudden, she starts looking around like, wow, this is pretty cool. So I invited Sheba to the banquet. She was tough now. Tough woman to deal with. So how in the world am I going to, 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 to get her to understand how great I am? How am I going to get her to understand that what I'm telling her is the truth? Well, let's, let's see what it says. Let's read. Keep us going. Go back one more. Go back to verse 4. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built, okay, the food on his table, well, now, hold on now. You represent me. <laughs> Man, I need you to just like, Man, we're so glad you're here. We are. So I want you just to, to let her know how awesome it is to have her here. Yeah, smile. There you go. Smile. Man, it's so good to have you here. And you can't wear the goat shirt and not be all excited and everything, man. We, we, we brothers. We got to represent. So all of a sudden, and, and, and when the food on his table, so, so, all of a sudden, somebody else is coming, and, and, and they fill up her glass. Is this, is this okay? Is this, and somebody else is coming by with food and saying, hey, can we take care? Is there anything we can do for you? Is there anything you need or anything, anything we can get for you? Is there any, any way we can serve you? Any way we can make your life better? Any way we can... Now, now her conversation is with who? With the king. But while she's in conversation with the king, what she's noticing is what everybody else is doing. So what we think is we can invite somebody to church, but then all of a sudden we can walk around like, let me tell you what you've done. You've ruined the king. You ruined the king. You who are supposed to be the ones who represent him, the ones who draw people to him. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. He says, listen, the food on the table, the seating of his servants, the, the, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his uh, entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. When she saw, let me tell you what she saw. The food on his table this represents what? It represents the blood and his body that we tell people every Sunday, Jesus died for you. Jesus says, come, dine with me. Come, come, see how much I've given. See how much effort I've put. See what I've done for you. I've prepared a banquet for you, says the Song of Solomon. He prepared a banquet for me and he covered me with his love. So, so when you walked in, he says, you're serving, but you're serving me. 
And what you're telling them is how much I love them and how much I care about them, the food that he's talking about. And when he talks about the seating of his servants, who those are are deacons in the church. Well, what's a deacon? Okay, well, let's, let's go through this. The seating of the servants is the deacons. These are the people that do ministry in the church. People who serve God in ministry. Anybody do ministry in the church? If you do ministry in the church, raise your hand. Now, now know this, you don't do it. Notice what the servants are doing. What are they doing? But they're supposed to be what? Serving. They are servants. And yet the servants are, what does this represent? It means that every deacon, every person here that ever does ministry and everything, let me tell you something. You don't do it with your own ability. You don't do it with your own strength. You don't do it with your own know-how. You don't, because what that would do is that would draw people to you. But when Queen Sheba saw them sitting, she said, boy, he trained them well. He has given them everything they need. He has taught them well. They are taught so well that they simply are doing their job in peace. They're doing their job with ease. They're doing their job because he is our strength and he is our ability. That's what it says. The service of his waiters, of his pair, that's the whole church. That's why I told you, brush your teeth. So when I tell you, wear your best clothes. Why? Because when somebody walks in, the seating of his servants, the service of the waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, these are elders. The cupbearers are the people that come the closest to the king. Nehemiah in the Old Testament was a cupbearer. He was closest to the king. Him and the king were closest. What a cupbearer means is someone who is made sure that there's no poison, there's nothing that I've taken care of. They're the ones that, that, that are the closest ones that want to represent the king. They hire the deacons. In our church, we have elders. Those are the people you call for prayer. Those are the people that have been in the church long enough. Those are the people that put court, uh, uh, cast the, the course of the church. Those are the people that say, here's where we're going. When we built the camp, it wasn't like that Pastor Lot said, I'm just going to build a camp. No, I had to have elders. I had to have people that says, we'll sign the note. Really? You, you'll do that with me? Yeah, we're crazy just like you are. Let's do it. We believe this is a God thing. Elders are people that are the closest and say, we got your heart. We, we, we're here with you. We're here to protect you. We're here to, to take care of you. I'm surrounded by people who care about me, that watch over me, that, 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 that uh, uh, look out for my benefit. Some of them even lately like, Pastor, you need to take a break. You're getting, getting where you look kind of tired. And I'm like, I'm fine, and, you know, in my ill way. You know, it's, it's like, I'm fine. Just leave me alone, you know. And it's like, no, no, no. We're going to get a break here for long. And those are people that have been around me so long. They have my heart. Those are elders. And his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. It represents the way he worshiped like we did this morning. How do we worship? How do we come into his presence? How do we... And here's what happens on a Sunday morning when somebody walks in. Somebody this morning is brand new. They've walked into all seasons for the first time. God didn't change. Look at that person beside you and say, God didn't change. 
God's just as powerful now as He was two hours ago. The question is, is whether I and we did everything we could for them to get a good glimpse of our Lord. For them to get a good view of who it is we love and who we serve. This morning, did people get a good view of who He is? Did you shake hands by the person that she was around you? Did, you? did you welcome them with a smile like, man, it's good to have you here. It's great. Are you serving in some way, finding somewhere where your life can be useful for the kingdom of God? Are you, are you presenting the kingdom? Because let me tell you what happens if you do. There was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your and about your. See, all that we had done was present the place where her and the king could finally have the conversation they'd been supposed to have for a long time. She said, I've heard about it, but now I can see it. Then she said to the king, However, I did not believe the words. Look at the person beside you and say, they don't believe your words. Let me go ahead and break this to you. Your, your dad, you keep wanting to get changed, he don't believe your words. Let me go ahead and tell you, that aunt you want to see saved, your brother you want to see saved, your kids you want to see saved. Let me just go ahead and break this to you real quick. They don't believe your words. They hear words every day. They can turn on their phone and hear words in the next three seconds. They can hear words from music. They can hear words. But let me tell you what happens, what church is supposed to be. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw it with my own. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame which I heard. Verse 8. Happy. Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. These are the happiest people in the world, the ones that get to read your word every day, the ones that get to pray and talk to you every day. They, man, happy are they because they have the greatest life. That's the life I've been looking for. Happy are they who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on a throne of Israel. Do you see how it's the picture of Jesus? Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore He made you the King to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the King 120 talents of gold. Notice what she begins to do. Why would you give a king, somebody who has everything, why would you give him something? Because it's your heart. Whenever I meet people that say, well, I don't believe in tithing, I don't argue with them. I'm just like, you just don't know him. Oh, I know it. No, you don't know him. 
If you know him, man, I'm telling you, you just want to be connected in every way possible. Queen of Sheba said after she had known him, he's got gold, everything, and everything. Hey, I'm going to give you my stuff. And now you can say, why? He don't need it. Church don't need my stuff. No, we don't need your stuff. Let me just go ahead and tell you. But you need to be connected. And I'm going to show you why. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and i got to close, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of what? What's the one thing the kingdom didn't have? They didn't have spices. Guess what her gift was? Spices. Now she gave the gold and stuff, but it's the spices that nobody else, nobody else had it. Nobody ever had spices like Elise had spices. And it wasn't until she gave what she had that we were all blessed again. I ain't never eat French fries with salt on it, but now I got to eat French fries with salt, and I kind of like it. I'm so glad you brought spices into my life. Tony Satchery's, I don't know what they make that stuff out of. You could pour it on corn, you know, just, just cardboard. You brought spices into my life. There never again came such a but never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. Also, the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, uh, brought great quantities among uh, almug wood and precious stones from from Ophir. The king made steps of almug wood in the house of the Lord of the king's house and harps and strings, instruments and singers. There never again came such wood, nor has there been since this day. Now here's the key. She's giving to the king, but listen to what the king does. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba say it out loud. Look at the person beside you and say, what God really wants to do is give you everything you desire. <laughs> he gave her all she did, whatever she asked. Besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity, so she turned and went to her country, she and her servants. Listen, go to Psalms 37 and 4, and I'm through. Psalms 37 and 4. I know they put these up. Delight yourself also in what? Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall... Look, I'm not dumb. Well, why do you give so much? Why do you care so much? Why do you... I mean, you put, you put God's stuff above your, your family and you, you, everything. Absolutely I do. Because my family has no idea that most of them are healthy today or where they are today, all because I did put God ahead of them. Because if I put God ahead of everything else in my life, He gives me anything I ask for. He gives me the desires of my heart. And I hope my greatest prayer is one day that my kids and my family and my whoever else is connected to me will one day come to the realization that He didn't turn away from us. He was blessing us. By putting God ahead and doing what God called him to do. 
He looks around and says, Tim, what is it you need? It's just ask, son. Let me show it to you in another place. Go John 14, 13 and 14. John 14, 13 and 14. And then we're going to go to Ephesians 3 and 20. And whatever you ask in that I will do, that the Father may be in the Son. If you ask, if you ask anything in my name, I'll think about it. Now Solomon looked at Sheba and he says, just ask anything you want and it's yours. Why? Because she had already released what she had. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 3 and 20. We'll wrap it up. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything, you do what? Ask or think. According to the power that he has that works where? See, once Sheba knew who he was, and once Sheba was willing to release, and once Sheba says, I want to be a part of that, then it opens the door for him to look at her and say, whatever it is you ever need. See, why is it, Brother Lot, you want me to get involved in church and get connected and get... Because I want that for your life. And I can tell you, I love you, and, and, and I know preachers love numbers, and they love how many people showed up, and they love... But I'm going to be honest with you. If it's just a bunch of numbers and none of them are connected to God, you become the greatest burden in my life. Because you live messed up lives, tore up lives, upside down lives, and you keep coming to church, and you keep, Brother Lot, would you pray for me? And Brother Lot, would you do this? And, and don't get me wrong, I love you, but you become a great burden. Why? Because you're not connecting to the King. And I know deep down, if you ever, ever connect to Him, the things you keep asking me to pray about, you can talk to Him about, and He will do it. And that's the desire of any good pastor, is that his people would have such a relationship with the King. So we serve and we love and we do so that one person might have that relationship where they can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask whatever they want. Will you stand? Thanks, guys. Thank you, Sheba. Got a new nickname. I long and I hope that our church will always multiply and never be about addition. I hope that sometimes the stories we tell people is almost embarrassing. I know that sounds bad, but I, I talk to preachers and pastors sometimes and it's almost like, Kenneth, I don't even want to say nothing because... It's like this is just going to sound 
bad to you. But really, it's not a secret. It's just doing what God asked us to do. I made a decision a long time ago that I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold anything back. I'd give Him all I got. He could do with it what He wanted. And it made all the difference in the world. Those scriptures started to make sense. Doing all you know to do, ask whatever you will, Tim. But when he says doing all we know to do, it's not about just trying to live a life where we don't drink, smoke, and cuss. It means living a life that's in service to him. And what I found is, is that if I live a life in service to him, the stuff that I just, quote, don't want to do just goes away. It just goes away. I don't have to sit there in my chair like, I just don't want to do these bad things. I don't. No, I just got up and started doing good things. And it made all the difference in the world. And I'll come by to tell you as we wrap this up, you have to choose whether or not you want to be part. You may be this morning the person that's the Sheba that just showed up today. Maybe you just came to church for the first time in a long time and you're like, I just came because people told me about it. And my prayer above every prayer that I pray this morning is that you met Jesus in some way that maybe through somebody's smile, through somebody just being nice, through the music, through the sermon, through... Our our greatest goal is that you established, met the one who changed our lives. I hope that there was no more spirit left in you. That you couldn't help but say, Lord, I want to be part. I want you to be a ruler of my life. Here's everything I got. Bad and good, it's all I got. Maybe you're in this room and you've been in church all your life and you keep coming. You keep wondering why I don't ever get excited or it's because sooner or later you got to move from just spectating to being a participator it's the only thing that works this morning I hope that what I've said will just settle in your spirit I want you to think about it I don't want you this morning like well pastor I commit everything no be very careful what you commit I'd rather you not commit at all than commit something you're not serious about. I want you to go think about what you want your life to be. What your service to the Lord is going to look like. I know what mine looks like. Father, this morning, thank you for the beautiful picture that you showed us. Thank you for the beautiful picture of Solomon and Sheba how it's a picture of your church aligning with you to change a life. Father, let us always be about that. Let us see it clearly. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.
Don't give it old devil fits. 